Good morning, Gate City Vineyards. Hope you all are doing well uh, this Sunday morning. And um, a lot of us are asking, uh, when are we all going to come back together? Um, as most of you know, uh, throughout the month of June, we were meeting at Summerfield Farms, which is great and wonderful. But as you can tell, we're all back in the building here, except you're not with us. So again, a lot of questions. When are, when are we all going to be able to gather back together uh, in the building uh, as a church? We had hoped to start meeting again and gathering everybody back together uh, beginning this month in July. But with the recent spikes in the coronavirus, uh, the elder board, myself, we felt like it would be a wise thing for us to wait a few more weeks. So we are hoping, hoping, still not definite, we have to wait and see uh, how things carry out, but we're hoping to gather uh, everybody back together in the building beginning August 2nd. Um, that will give us some time to train our volunteers, to get the building ready. Uh, plus, after after Sunday, after today, I'm taking three weeks off, taking a three-week vacation. And so I'll come back on August 2nd, and we're hoping to bring everybody back together again August 2nd. Again, that's the wait and see. Be praying. Like me, you're probably tired of the coronavirus. I'm ready for it to go away, go away, go away. But again, be praying uh, that we can all work things out and things will be uh, available, not available, but will be ready for us to be able to come back together August 2nd. So hope you're all doing well. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, again, even though we're uh, gathering virtually, God is everywhere. We're still one church. And let's get into the word this morning. And I want to begin uh, with something interesting that happened to me this past week uh, that involved me. Uh, a member of this church and someone who is actually pretending to be me. And you're probably thinking, what and what does that mean? Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you the story. This past Thursday, I, I received a text from David Tackle. And I know most of you know who David Tackle is. David Tackle has been a member of this church for several years, along with his wife, Jan. And so on Thursday this past week, I received a text from David, and the text said, saw your email, I'm online now, please see the email I forwarded you, ASAP. And so after seeing his text, I started to think, well, what is going on? I haven't sent David an email this week or today. So I go to my email and I open up the message that David forwarded me, and this is what I read. Apparently, David thought that I had sent him this. Here's what it says. It says, thanks for your response, David. I need you to help me purchase Steam Wallet gift cards. I don't even know what a Steam Wallet gift card is. I need you to help me purchase Steam Wallet gift cards worth $600 in $200 denominations for Hope Children's Homes. I am giving out this to their staff as a donation, and this is coming from me personally. No, it's not if you're asking someone to give you money to give to somebody else. But this is coming from me personally, as I promised them they will be getting the cards from me today. But I'm unable to do this now. Let me know if you can help me get the purchases, and I will reimburse you back as soon as possible. Sure you will. Now, I believe at this point, David began to think, that doesn't sound like Todd. Because David Tackle, author of several profound books, David Tackle, national conference speaker, simply responded with, what's up? 
What's up? And then the false me responded back with, get back to me as soon as you receive my message. I need you to handle something for me ASAP. I can't talk on the phone at the moment. Just reply to me on here. Blessings, Pastor Todd Oakley. Now, obviously, that's not me. That, that was somebody impersonating me, somebody pretending to be me, someone stealing my identity for ill-gotten gain. So, folks, if you receive an email from me like this, from an email address saying leadpastor0102 at gmail.com, it ain't from me. But if you would like to send me $600... And $200 denominations, you can contact me and send it to my real email address at Todd at GateCityVineyard.com. So just go ahead and send those contributions in. You can do that right now. Totally kidding about that part. Now, in all seriousness, I want to talk for a few moments this morning about identity. And more specifically, our identity in Christ. Who we are in Jesus. An identity meaning, simply defined, your identity is how you would define yourself. How do you define who you are? And how would you define your self-value? That's what identity is. I like the way Tim Keller puts it. This is what Tim Keller says about identity. He says, identity is what is the most, identity is what the most important person or people in your life thinks about you. Let me repeat that again. Identity is what the most important person or people in your life thinks about you. Let me ask you, who is that person or persons in your life that does that for you? Who, who is that person or persons that you go to, that you look to, to, to speak to you, to show you who you really are and, and to affirm your value? For all honest, most of us live our whole lives plagued with the question, am I enough? And then we go about our lives trying to prove that we are enough to ourselves and to prove that we are enough to other people. We ask that question, am I man enough? Am I woman enough? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? Am I skinny enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I funny enough? Am I good enough? This past week... I came across a story about a pastor by the name of Doug Murin. And Pastor Murin had a daughter by the name of Raisa. And she was born with cerebral palsy. And so she spent her life uh, with braces on her legs, walking around on crutches. And so this part of the story took place when she was 13. And so Pastor Doug comes home from the church, and as he walks in, he sees that his wife is crying. His wife is upset, and he says, honey, what, what's going on? And so his wife points to their daughter's bedroom, and so he goes up to their daughter's bedroom, Raisa. And she was a Christian girl. She was very sweet. She was very empathetic. She had a tender heart. And so he goes into his daughter's room, and he sits down on the bed beside her, and he says, honey, what's wrong? And at first she won't say anything. So a few moments go by, she's quiet, but then she places her head into her father's chest and then she begins to sob uncontrollably. And, then, and her father says, darling, what, what's wrong? Why are you so upset? 
And Rasa said, today at school, our teacher asked the class, what do we want to be when we grow up? And she said, I got really excited. I said that when I grow up, I want to be a ballerina. I want to get married and I want to have kids. But then one of the classmates, a girl by the name of Melissa, pointed at me and started laughing at me hysterically. And she said, you'll never be a ballerina. You're just a cripple. And the boy, whoever marries you, well, that person is going to have to be blind. That's cruel. That's cold. Let me ask you, have you ever had someone say something to you or to someone you love that has cut you and cut them apart? I think we would all have to say, yes, yes, I have. Many of us can remember things that were said to us as children, cruel things, cruel things about our future, about our destiny. Our, our you know, angry fathers and mothers may have said, that, said to us that you'll never amount to anything. You'll never go anywhere. You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. Cutting words that you heard at school from a spouse, from a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We've all had people speak things very negatively towards us. And as a result, a lot of those thoughts and those, those negativities, those negative words get down deep inside of us. So how do we overcome the negative messages that have been spoken to us? How do we overcome those negative messages that we often think in regards to ourselves? I will go ahead and tell you, we need a stronger voice. We need a stronger voice than those other voices. We need a voice that supersedes all of the other voices, a voice to call us out, to speak to us who we truly are. And that stronger voice is the voice of God. Folks, apart from God in Jesus Christ, we cannot know the ultimate meaning in life. We cannot know God. And without God, we can't even understand who we really are. It is ultimately in God that we see who we truly are and how we can be the kind of people that God has called us to be. Now, in the New Testament, it lists 35 truths about who you are in Jesus Christ. And so for the next two hours, we're going to consider all 35 of these truths about your identity. I'm kidding. We're actually going to consider two, two core identities. There's obviously more, but this past week, as I was preparing for what to share, these two core parts of your identity, I kept coming back to over and over and over again. So I guess there are some of us, maybe all of us need to be reminded of these two things, these two core parts about who we are in Christ. So here we go. So with that, we're going to look at these two, but I want to go to the, uh, the epistle of first Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Here's what the Apostle Peter says. And these words, just to be clear, this is who you are. These words that I'm getting ready to read that Peter wrote, this is who you are in Jesus Christ. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So let's now consider these two core aspects of your identity in Christ that this passage addresses. And the first one is this. In Christ, you are fully accepted. You're acceptable. How about typing in the comment sections below uh, on the Facebook page, I am accepted. I am acceptable. And folks, this is absolutely crucial because some of the biggest wounds in life come from whether we are accepted or not. And as a result, we spend so much of our time trying to earn acceptance. And this drive to be accepted influences every aspect of your life and mine. It affects the types of clothes that we buy and wear, the house you buy, the car you drive. We so often do such things in order to be accepted. And so Peter tells us in this passage that we have been chosen, chosen By God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, Even before he, speaking of God, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Let's think about that for a moment. Think about this in regards to you. Before God created the world, he loved you and he chose you you. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. Before God created the universe, before your parents ever came together to make yourself, you know, make you possible, God chose you. Before God created the universe, before God made the sun, before God chose to make the oceans and the earth, before God created the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees, God chose you and loved you and chose you to be a part of his family. Before everything else, before you even came into existence, God chose you. And Jesus makes us acceptable by his death on the cross. Titus chapter 3 verse 7 says this, Jesus, God in flesh, that's who Jesus is, treated us much better than we deserved. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. And folks, this acceptance, it is not based upon our behavior. It's not based upon how good enough you are or how good enough I am. It's not based upon our goodness or your goodness, but rather it is based upon how good God is. And God says to you and God says to me, listen, I don't care how good or how bad you are. I don't care what your mom or your dad may have said about you. I don't care what anybody else thinks about you. I don't care what you've said. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I love you and I chose you. I created you in my own image and my son died for you. And that's how acceptable You are to God. God accepts you completely and wholly 
and fully. And he accepted you and chose you before he created anything else. You may not feel that way, but that's what God says, and that's true. And that's what you and I need to start meditating on and, and banking on, that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. God chose you, that you are acceptable. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we need to consider about ourselves and what God says about our identity is this, is that you are not only acceptable before God, but you are also extremely valuable. How about typing in the comments section below, I am valuable. In fact, you're not only valuable, the Bible tells you or tells us that you are priceless. You are absolutely priceless, which raises the question of what makes something valuable? What, what determines the value in something? Well, one of the things that you can determine the value of something, it, it oftentimes depends upon who owns it. Oftentimes the value is determined about who owns whatever that thing is. By way of example, you may have a dilapidated 2005 Hyundai. And if you tried to sell the 2005 dilapidated Hyundai, you probably won't get a lot of money for it. In fact, depending upon how dilapidated it may be, you may not even be able to give it away. But if that same dilapidated 2005 Hyundai belonged to Lady Gaga, do you think that that car would be more valuable? Of course it would. How about this? How about if you owned a pair of Nikes and that same pair of Nikes was owned by LeBron James? Which pair of Nikes do you think are going to be more valuable? LeBron James, of course. So again, the owner often affects the value of things. So again, who do you belong to this morning? Let me remind you, you belong to God. You belong to God. And God says this about you in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 4. He says, you are precious to me. You're precious to me. Why are you valuable? You're not only valuable because of who owns you, you are also valuable because Jesus gave his life for you. Another way to determine the value of something is to determine what someone is willing to give or to pay for something. For example, I could tell you if you were to say, hey, Todd, what is the value? What do you think my house is worth? I could tell you what the value of your house is without even looking at it. The value of your house is whatever it is someone is willing to give and to pay for it. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I, I can answer it for you. What is your life worth? Your life is worth the very life of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what your life is worth, look at the cross where Jesus stretches out his arms and he says, this is what you're worth. This is how much I love you. Your life is worth the very life of Jesus Christ this morning. That is how valuable you are. I'm going to close by going back to the story 
that I just mentioned a few moments ago to where the 13-year-old girl by the name of Raisa was told, made fun of because she was a crippled, who was made fun of and said by her, one of her classmates that she would never be a ballerina, that, that whoever married her would, would have to be blind. And so I want to finish up that conversation that she's having with her dad. And so this is what her dad told her. He said, sweetheart, you have a long life ahead of you, and you may walk like this for your entire life. There are going to be other people who make fun of you. There are going to be people who stare at you. You're going to have to decide right now who you're going to listen to. Are you going to live your life listening to what everybody else says about you? Or are you going to live your life based on what Jesus says about you? Rasa wrapped her arms around her dad's neck and said, Daddy, I'm going to listen to what Jesus says about me. Her dad says, what does Jesus say? And Rasa said, Jesus said, I'm going to be a ballerina. Doug walked out of the room with tears running down his face. And he thought to himself, yes, one day when Jesus returns, Rasa is going to be a ballerina. But then he felt the spirit of God speak to him and say, no, Doug. Every time your daughter walks across the room with her leg braces on and with her crutches, she's doing a dance for me. Who are you going to listen to this morning, folks? Who are you going to trust more in regards to who you are and your value and your worth? What does God say about you this morning? God's opinion of us is ultimately the only opinion that matters most. And amongst other things, what God says about who you are, he says you are fully accepted. And he says you are extremely valuable. In fact, you're priceless. Let's pray as the worship team comes back up. Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning, Father. I just pray. We, we all need to hear that message. We all need to hear who we are. But Father, I really get the sense that, that a few of us... Quite a few of us really need to hear, really need to hear your voice pierce through the lies about who we are. Father, I pray for those this morning who, who are feeling down, who, who may be thinking that they're worthless. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, wherever they're at, wherever, if they're in their bedroom, if they're in their, their living room, if they're sitting at the coffee table this morning. Father, right now, I just pray the truth, your word, your spirit, your voice would speak to them. And say, no, 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 you're not, you're not worthless. You're priceless. You're extremely valuable. And you're so valuable that, that I, I chose you and I accepted you even before you actually came into existence. I chose you from the very foundation of the world to be a part of my family and to show you just how much and how valuable you are. I actually gave my life for you. Scripture says that we were bought with a price. And we were bought with the price of the very blood of Jesus Christ. That is your value this morning. 
So, Father, I pray right now against the lies that we often believe about ourselves. I pray against those voices that some of us may have heard growing up. Again, that we're not enough. We're not enough. Father, in you we are enough because of you. And so, Father, I just pray again, just pour out your love. Just pour out your presence. Help us more and more to be able to see who we are in you. And, Father, we love you and we thank you. And I just pray that as we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would move. Again, we're scattered out in different places in our homes. Holy Spirit, I just, just move amongst us. And we pray and we ask these things in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen.